Good morning. Glad to see everybody here this morning. Thank you for coming and, and worshiping our risen Savior with us. If you're a guest or don't know, my name is Trevor. I'm pastor here at Round Oak, and I would like to say welcome as well. But we are going to jump right into this here this morning because um, the section we're going over, there's really a lot going on. So we're just going to go right into it. And uh, if you didn't turn there earlier, and if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, and if not, um, there should be one in the pew pocket in front of you, but turn with me to John chapter. Six. We're going to be looking at verses 52 through 59. And this section gets good, I think. I think it really gets nice and it gets deep. We're going to see that Jesus is kind of finishing up this discourse that he's been talking about because he's been talking for a while. And we're going to see that all the things that are happening are going to kind of come to a conclusion here. And another thing, if you were here last week, you'll know what we're talking about here. But Jesus has been talking about, right, that he's the, the bread of life. And then it kind of keeps going and he kind of builds upon it. And beyond that, we see how important that really is. Because he's saying who he is. He's saying why he came. And he's saying how important all the things, his life, and then he's you know, they don't know it here yet, but we do it. We know it. But this life and then his subsequent death and then resurrection, how important all these things really is. So again, I'm not going to read it because it was just there. And, or excuse me, Christian just read it. So we're going to get that out of the way because I move around too much for that to be close. But we're going to jump right into this. So if you have your Bibles, again, I hope you're there. I hope you found it. Verse 52, we're going to start it in chapter 6. I'll read that first verse real quick. It says this, At this the Jews argued among themselves, How can this man give us flesh to eat? So again, this is their response from what we talked about last week. And if, you don't, and if you're not there, you can read it real quick. Or if not, after service, read it and you can catch up with yourselves. So we know what's going on. But again, this is the response that the Jews had after they heard Jesus talk. They grumbled. And then they try to downplay it. They didn't, they didn't understand it, so they didn't like it, right? So they just try to talk, they try to talk it away. And I think that's something that we can relate to. Because we do that, right? We do that. If we don't, if we're not able to, if we if we can't get past our own thinking on things, that's what we tend to do. We try to downplay things, we try to talk to it, we try to talk ourselves out of it, or if we if we don't like what there's as someone else is saying. And we do like what we want, even though we know we're wrong. Well, what do we do? We, we try to justify it, right? We try to justify the things that we want. And that's kind of what's going on here. And again, I think we can relate to this because we get something in our heads. It tends to get stuck there. And if we have an opinion about things, anybody here not ever have an opinion? All right, good. Everybody has an opinion. So, and we have those opinions for a reason, right? Because we either like them or we think that they're right. We just do. If, if if I said, you know, my favorite car was a Volkswagen Beetle, right? I wouldn't say that if I didn't actually think it. Because otherwise, I'd be like, why would I? I've been lying to myself. You think something is a certain way, so that's how you judge your opinions. But we get those in our heads, and all of a sudden, no amount of evidence, even when it's hitting us in the face, no amount of evidence changes our mind because we're stuck we're solid we're going to do this no matter what that's kind of what's going on here we don't like to change our thinking because we like what we think and we want what we want 
plain and simple. But we need to realize that we can be wrong. We can be wrong a lot. I mean, not me, obviously, but <laughs> no, we, we can be there. I mean, you can, you can know something's true, and you can still be wrong. But I want you to see this. As we look at this, we saw how the, the Jews at the time, those who did not believe, uh, how they responded. How can this man give us flesh to eat? What's he talking about? This guy's crazy, right? And how does Jesus respond? He's, he responds this way, looking in, into verse 53. He said, so Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life. No life. So, as we look at this, again, I want to start off in a certain way, because we're going to have like three parts to this section. We're going to have this opening part, we're going to have the middle bulk of it, and then we're going to have an ending, okay? So to open up this first part, he starts off with the word amin which again, remember we talked about that last week, it's truly, or your, ver your version may say something like verily. But again, Jesus is starting off that. He's saying, I'm telling you this from my firsthand knowledge. I'm telling you this from the point of view of the originator of all things. So pay attention, right? When he says that, it's essentially pay attention. That unless you do this, what he's talking about, and then what we're getting ready to talk about, again, you do not have life no matter what you think, no matter what. Now, this is the part, the part I really want you to see. This is important, because this will apply to each and every one of us literally every day, okay? This is really important. And this is going to go against a lot of your conventional thinking. I'm building you up. It's not that crazy, but it, it's, it's still going to be really good, I promise. When Jesus confronted these people who did not believe, Okay, now we're going to stop for just a second. And I want you to put yourself in Jesus' place per se. Not in Jesus' place, but you're out there going to confront people who do not believe. Okay, you're all there. Anybody not there? Okay, we're all there. We're thinking about it. So when Jesus confronted these people, what did he not do? Now I want you to think about this. When you're confronting people, what, did, what are you going to not do? Okay, what, what, what are we thinking about here now? We got some stuff going on. So what Jesus did not do is we get ready to look at this. They argued, and then he says certain things here. You know what? He didn't do three things real quick. Three things that Jesus did not do was he didn't tone it down. He didn't pull back at all. He didn't tone it down. Number two, he didn't soften what he was saying. He didn't soften it at all. Number three, this is the big one because we try to do this all the time. You know what Jesus didn't do when he was talking and confronting those who didn't believe? He didn't even try to clarify his message. He didn't water it down. He didn't do anything. But you know what he did do? Take this one to the bank and then take it out into the world with you. He made it harder for them. Made it harder for them. We don't think about that. You know why? Because the world tells us that Jesus is meek and mild and we can just kind of push Jesus around. No. No. Jesus makes everything for every one of us harder. You know why? Because it shows you, it shows me, that we can do nothing without Him. Period. He makes it harder. He made it harder. He added something to it. Because we've been talking about, again, the bread of life, right? And now He makes it worse for things. He makes it harder. He added something, and he added in the blood, right? So he added in the blood, which for the Jew would have been just shocking to think of. It would have been really bad. 
Because the Old Testament law is about the meat and the blood in it and all that stuff. We know those things. We don't have to adhere to it no more, but them at the time, they'd have been like, what is this man talking about? They would have kicked him out of the synagogues just for merely suggesting this. It was a big deal. But he didn't make it easy for him. He told him exactly what was going on. So even at this point, we look at it realistically, even an allegory that Jesus was using about the blood would have made these people super mad. And yet, did he pull back at all? No, not at all. So I want to say this. When you're, witness, when you're out witnessing for Christ, when you're telling people about Jesus, when someone pushes back, when they try to confront you with more of their unbelief, or when you're just, frankly, confronted with people's unbelief, keep pushing forward. Don't change anything. Don't think that you have to try to completely break everything down to get these people to believe certain things. You don't have to. You can literally take it from the one who created all things, the originator of all things, the one who says verily and truly before he speaks because he knows firsthand. You can take his example and do those things because you know why. None of us save anybody. Not one of us. So why do we think we have to talk people into these things? We don't. We can talk until we're blue in the face, and I've done that, and it doesn't help. If we're not telling the truth, it means zero. And I'm telling you this right now. I know you know this, but I think we need to, we need to hear it more often. But when you tell the truth, you know who's going to be upset with you, right? Like most people. They're going to be very upset with you. And we don't change it. We don't water it down. We don't dumb it down at all. We tell the truth that's revealed to us in Scripture. Plain and simple. Because if we're not, you know what we're doing. We're giving them a fake Jesus. And I need you to ask yourself an honest question. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to raise your hand or nothing crazy. No interaction here. But just be honest, intellectually honest with yourself. Why would you want to give anybody a fake Jesus? Why? It does nothing for nobody. Period. It's one that can do nothing for them. does nothing for you. Again, we're not the ones that save. We're called, told, ordered, essentially, to tell the truth no matter what. And the results are out of our hand. But again, before we move on, I want to make sure we're clear on this new, new part. Because again, there's a change. Um, Jesus threw in a new aspect here. And I want to make sure we're on the same page. So when we talk about this blood thing, right? We're referring to the blood. Jesus says, drink his blood, right? Now, most of us here probably know what that means. But just in case, we're going to make sure we're on the same, the same page. Throughout the New Testament, we see the word blood used as a metonym. Um, one that's speaking of Christ's death on the cross. I mean, we know that. We talk about the blood saving us and all that stuff. We know that. The death that Jesus did, you know, performed, whatever you want to say, on the cross was the final sacrifice for all sin. And that's it. I mean, that, that's it. So going forward, now we're all on the same page, right? Because there are some people who will still think, well, the blood, is it literally the blood? Are we supposed to be kind of cannibals and all this other stuff? And I'm like, you obviously not done any 
thinking ever, but that's okay. We'll get there. I was once that person too. I mean, we got, we got to start somewhere, right? That's okay. But anyway, so going forward, we're on the same page. We got through that rather painlessly. That was as quick as I could. But in this next section, we're now in the middle section. See, we're moving along. We're getting there. We're going to look at four things. There's four promises that are made here. Jesus takes us through this whole kind of ordeal here, and he makes four statements that are four promises for the believer. And there's actually one of them. One of those four is about the non-believer. So the first one we're going to start is for the non-believer or about the non-believer. It's expressed in a negative fashion. So it makes sense. We'll get that one done first. But the first one, it says this. If we're looking at this section, verses 53 through 58, the first promise here is that if you reject Jesus, you have no life. It's straight to the point. It's not a question. It's not nothing besides a statement of fact. Statement of fact. He says it right here. He says, truly I tell you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourself. Plain and simple. Jesus is being straightforward. Is telling us that this is the only way. Period. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what else you believe. It doesn't matter how sincere you are. I want you to think about that. Have you ever met somebody who was just so sincere in their beliefs that they would probably almost die for their beliefs? Yet they were completely wrong. Taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that and, and then mixing it all in a big bowl and hoping that something works out for them. You know a lot of people like that. That will be of no good to you. It will be of no good to you. doesn't matter how sincere you are. If you do not have Jesus, if He is not in you, you do not have life. Plain and simple. In short, if someone says something that goes against the Bible, you could have a very good idea of their beliefs. You can have a good idea of their true beliefs because if this is the bread and the blood, if this is the Word made flesh, and they don't believe it because Jesus is saying He's the Word, right? And Jesus is the Word made flesh. We can kind of see the correlation there. If you're saying, no, I don't like this, then you can have a good idea that Jesus is probably not in them. It's not easy to hear. Because I can almost guarantee you that most of you probably have somebody in your mind right now. You're like, oh my gosh, I thought they were a Christian. I thought they knew Jesus. But I'm starting to think, oh, the wheels are turning. They don't. Because they've rejected so much of this. And you can't love the author if you don't love his word. You can't. You can't do it. If we're not consuming Him, if we're not completely relying on Him, on His death, His resurrection, then we do not have life. But conversely, though, you know, the other way around, if we are, then we do. Right? I mean, that's that simple. If we are, then we do. Again, it's all about Jesus. Every bit of it. The moment we make it about ourselves, we have already slipped into something that is extremely wrong and very negative. What do we do when we come here? What is the main goal? Worship. To worship and praise Jesus. It's not about me at all. 
at all. It's not about any one of you at all. It's not about any group of people at all. If you come here and think, we're going to have this today, and that this is not Jesus, you are wrong. If you come here expecting or hoping to hear something, anything besides the preaching of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, you are wrong. And you better believe that is a hill I am willing to die on. No matter what. We're going to preach Christ. We're going to use this. Everybody got one? Good. If you don't, come find me. We will get you one. And that's what we preach here. Because without that, there's, there's no good. We might as well close down all the doors, turn off the lights, and just never come back. Because this building will be of absolutely zero good for anybody. Or we can just fill the seats and I can preach whatever I want and make sure we get tons of money coming in and we can do all these things for absolutely no good and essentially usher people into hell. Who wants to be a part of that? No, Good, okay, we're on the same page. That's awesome. Because that's what we're going to do. No matter what, we're going to preach Christ. We're going to eat His flesh and we're going to drink His blood. Because that's what we do. Because we're obedient, at least we should be, obedient servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not perfect obedience, but we are obedient. But let us continue. That was our first one. This is the second one. If you eat His flesh and drink His blood, you have eternal life. Jesus told us that. He promised us this. As we keep going, he says this, the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I mean, he said it. It's straightforward. Any blessing, any strength or power that we experience now, the grace of God, and, and all these great and awesome things, right? All the things that he promises, these amazing blessings that he gives each and every one of us every single day. Those of us who are in him, right? All these things. If we are in Christ and in Him and us, they do not end when we leave this earth. Eternal life, right? But with that eternal life, when we look at it realistically, when I want you to think about that, um, all the blessings that you have now, they're actually going to expand. They're going to be big. They're going to be huge. They will come into their completeness. Because sin is eradicated. In eternal life, when we get past all this world and all this garbage, we get to go into this whole new realm of existence that God has created. Jesus says, I go there and making a place ready for each and every one of you who believe in me. That's what I'm talking about. When we get there, His greatness and His blessings will be complete. And we will see Jesus in all His glory. Who can't wait for that? They will get bigger and better and they will last like three or four weeks longer. No? They're forever, right? Forever. I just want to make sure you guys were paying attention. They're going to be forever. They won't. But when we do these things, when we trust in Christ, that's our, that's our future. And that's amazing. He lived the life and He paid the price. He finished the work on the cross and He conquered sin and death and, and, it, and I think about these things, and I can't help but, but the hymn that always pops in my mind is, it's Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin, my sin, left a crimson stain. I love to think about that. Just as red and just bad as it could be, right? But He washed it white as snow. That's what He does for us. And when He, and when he, and when he does these things, when He cleans us, it's not like some 
some cheap dollar store brand, right? He washes it and it's clean forever. And it can't be tarnished because it's his righteousness. My righteousness can be filthy every single day. And it always is. But Jesus' righteousness is perfect and it can't be soiled. And if you have Jesus' righteousness in you, guess what you have? A clean bill of health, a perfectly white shirt for all of eternity, ready to have God's blessings for literal ever. That's amazing. We have to remember that. That's a good thing. And thinking about those eternal concepts real quick, that should be the thing that propels you all the more to take his word out to people and to not be scared, not to be afraid, but to be bold. Because what are they going to do? They're going to, they're going to chop you down. Some countries, they'll, they'll take you out for doing this stuff. But what does that do? And that's your ticket to heaven. The worst things that happens is you get to go be with Jesus. We should be bold because eternity is going to be amazing. Well, let's keep rocking. Let's keep moving along. The third promise of Jesus says this, will rise up on the last day those who eat and drink. It's a continuation of... Uh, Verse 54, that the one who eats my flesh and has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Again, Jesus is saying these things straight and to the point. I'm not just pulling these up or, or taking little bits and pieces. He, he's literally saying these things. The Word of God reveals to us as John is writing this here that this is what is going on. But again, Jesus promises that there will be a resurrection. Him first, and then on the last day, those who he knows. That's our great hope. That's what we get to look forward to. These rugged bodies, these, this flesh that it's rotting and filthy and stained with sin will be completely made new, perfect and imperishable for all time. My shoulders won't hurt no more. You'll be able to walk without, ah, uh, right? Be able to breathe good. Maybe run. I don't know. Maybe there'll be marathons in heaven. I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't been there. Couldn't tell you. But we can do all these things. That's our great hope. That Jesus will come and give us all these new resurrected bodies for those of us who know him and who he knows. And that is what everlasting life is. Because Jesus gave us salvation, and salvation is for all eternity. We talked about that just a couple minutes ago when, when, when we had that amazing sacrament of baptism. That right down here when, when Michelle prayed, that was to start her, her literal eternity with Christ. Forever. That doesn't go away. And when we enter into that forever, we will be with Him in a glorified existence. But it's not all positive. I want you to really think about this one. There is a future for every one of us. All of us. Some will rise to live. And some will rise to die. It's a harsh reality, but it's a reality. There will be those who rise to live and rise to die. We can trust in the promises of God, of the God of the Bible. And one of those that God reveals to us is that there are two ultimate destinations for every person who has ever existed. Eternity with Him, which we can just simply say, we use the word heaven, right? And eternity separated from Him, which we like to use the word hell. Right? Plain and simple, you know, straight to the point. Two ultimate destinations. But I will say this too every person has, has ever graced this earth will do two things. 
no matter what side of that last thing we talked about, whether you rise to live or rise to die, no matter what it is, you'll do two things. Every single person. The first one is every knee will bow. If you do not believe in Jesus, your knee will bow. Because you will meet God. You will see Him. And you will see Him in His glory. And you will know everything. No more believing. No more hoping. No more thinking. You will know. And the second thing is, we will always spend eternity somewhere. Easy. Easy. We will again rise to live or we will rise to die. But there is a resurrection. It will happen. Destinations, you can pick and choose which one you want. But anyway, fourth promise. We're going to keep moving. Hill. The, fourth, the fourth promise is that his flesh is true food and his blood is true drink. It's true. He says this, verse 55, because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Do you see how these promises actually come straight from here? Like almost word for word. You know why? I just real quick, you want to know why I did it like this? Because I want you to know that when I take things, when I preach a sermon, I'm not coming up with this stuff. It's right there. Exactly. But again, we'll keep going. This is the substance, right? This is it. What we, what we see throughout Jesus' words as the, the very life that God offers to believers. And this is what we must see, that His flesh and blood are true. It's just, it's real. It's there. It's honest. And with that, we see this, that there is a union with Jesus Christ. Verse 56, it says this, the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. And this is a real union. It's a coming together. And that's a union we have to recognize is real for all of us. And having that union, having that come together, is literally a matter of life and death. There's no in between. If we are not looking at the real Lord Jesus, we cannot and will not have this union with Him. It is important. It's important to know who the real Jesus is. That's why, again, I asked you earlier, if anybody doesn't have a Bible, let me know. But you all have one. Read it. Get to know Him. Any preconceived notions, get them out of your head. Got to get them out of there. Because, again, we, we, we like to bring our own stuff into it too often. Get that stuff out of there. Have Bible studies. Get together with people. Not people you like, but get to pe with people that you know want to study. We have a lot of people here. I'm going to stop you real quick. Hope everybody's not going to get embarrassed. If you're a, a currently a deacon right now, if you're a leader in this church, would you please raise your hand? If anybody has a question, ask one of those people who have their hands up. Wesley, raise your Thank you. <laughs> if you have questions, talk to them. They're there for a reason. You know what the word deacon means? Servant. Guess what they want to do for you? Serve you. For real, this is important stuff. To know the real Jesus is literally the most important thing you could ever do in the whole of your life. If you've been married, that's a big deal. Jesus is more important. If you have kids, that's a big deal. Jesus is more important. It just is. 
know the real Jesus. Have that union with Him, that coming together, because when you're unified with Christ, and Him and you, and you and Him, guess what can never be broken? That union. It's forever. The preservations of the saints, us, is something that is practiced, is preached, is taught in the Bible, that when we are saved, we are saved forever. We are held by Him. If it was up to you or me, of course we would let go. But it's not. Jesus' grip on us is way stronger than we could ever have a grip on Him. Know the real Jesus. Have that union with Him. Consume the flesh and the blood. The real food and that real drink. But we have to look at what the Bible says and actually take it at its word to know the real Christ. Not change things or think that Jesus' word can change or, or, or progress with the times, right? Because in doing so, we are telling God that He's wrong. We're telling God that He's wrong. And thus, we're not eating of what Jesus is offering. Right? How many times have you heard that? Well, this 2024, man, give times. So? 2024, what, A.D.? Anybody know what A.D. stands for? The year of our Lord. As in the one who wrote this. You know what's really fun speaking of that? I like what you ever, who here watches like History Channel and documentaries and stuff like anybody? When they say, they don't say BC or AD, they say BCE. Yeah, before, but what made it common? What, what did you count as zero? You can change the name of it, it's still the same day. You're still going off the same concept. I love that. I just think it's funny. And then, you, and then you catch people who are super atheist, and they'll say, well, A.D., oh, no, I didn't mean to say A.D. Oh, I just gave glory to God. Oh, what am I doing? But it's, yeah, sorry, I'm getting off track now. <laughs> but again, good, good times, right? <clears throat> but again, it doesn't progress. It doesn't matter if it's been 50 years, 200 years, 2,000 years. God's Word does not change. And we can trust it no matter what. Even if you don't like it, guess what? I'm sorry, but it's God's Word. If you think something should be one way and God's Word says it another way, I don't care, you're wrong. I'm sorry. I may not be as blunt about that, like, well, let's look at it, you know, let's, let's find a way through it. But right now, publicly speaking, I'm going to be very blunt and say you're just wrong. If I don't agree with something, I, who cares? It's God's Word. Call me out on it. It's just how it is. We must eat and drink of the Word of God, which is this, which Jesus came to give to us and to fill all of everything. That's how we have life, because we know who Jesus is. And if we don't believe His Word, then we do not believe in Jesus. Period. Because we're telling Him that He's wrong. We're telling Him that He's wrong. But again, looking at the four promises Jesus gave us here, real quick, we'll recap these. That if you reject Jesus, you have no life. If you eat His flesh and drink His blood, you have eternal life. And He will rise up on the, the last day and eat. Uh, he'll resurrect those on the last day who eat and drink. And that His flesh is true food and His blood is true drink. So we got that kind of section here. And now real quickly, I told you we have three sections. This is the last section. I'm trying. There's a lot going on here. But again, real quickly, He's going to tell us why. And this is why I didn't separate this. Because anybody can show up someday. I can show up right now to start talking and start promising things. But do I have authority to do so? No. 
Jesus is now going to show us and tell us why he has the authority to say these things and make these promises. So look at verse 57. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. See, the succession there, right? The Father sends the Son. That's the authority. And if we are in the Son, then we have eternal life. Easy. I mean, it really is. But too far often we get confused by the super easy verses because we're caught up in what was said just before that section. Because like, well, the blood and the flesh, what does all this mean? Oh my goodness, I don't know what's going on. Then Jesus said, Jesus like, hey, believe me, trust me, this is why I have authority. But we miss that part. We don't think about it. Because we're trying to get you know, all this wrapped around our head. We get confused by what he's saying because, again, Jesus' teaching are one, hard, and two, very straightforward, and we're not used to that. We're used to trying to get people to pander to us so we'll follow them. Jesus is like, no, I'm just going to tell you the truth no matter what. But we take those verses, especially 57, but back in correlation with 526, which was no, just a few weeks ago, but it says this, verse five or chapter 5, verse 26, Just as the Father has life in Himself, so also He has granted the Son to have life in Himself. This whole section, this whole discourse, was Jesus saying, this is, this is me. It's all me. I am the Creator. I am the Originator. I am the Power. I am the Everything. And again, they're missing it. So, when we have Christ, when we are in Christ, when we partake in His truth, when we submit to His authority, His flesh and blood, because, again, He is the author of life, we too will and can have real and true life because of who He is. And again, that's, it's important to know who the true Jesus is, the one the Bible reveals to us. Because of Christ and who He truly is, right? And then he finishes up with a statement, again, clarifying the difference between what people think and what the truth really is, which is important. Verse 58, verse 58 says this, This is the bread that comes down from heaven. It is not like the manna your ancestor ate and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. Quite simply, I want to say this, and I want to be very clear. Your traditions will not help you. It won't help you. Material things will do nothing. will be of no good for you. Nothing. No matter how much you have in your bank account, no matter how many different versions of the Bible you have on, in your library at home, look at my collection, right? It will do, be of no good for you. Be of no good for you. So who, who was it? I think what... I read this the other day. Someone said this, that so many people have enough dust on their Bible that they can write condemned on the outside of it. And I was like, that's kind of fun. And it's not funny. It makes you think. I wanted to laugh at first, and then I didn't. The chasm here, what Jesus is showing, this it couldn't be wider from what we think, what we want, what we like, to what Jesus is telling us that we need to believe, what we have to have to have this eternal life. Quite literally, it's the ways of God and the ways of men. 
It's God's thinking or it's man's thinking. What, we want a visualization real fast. God's thinking or man's thinking. You guys can do that too if you want. You can have that. You can, okay. You get the point, right? That's it. That's it. Jesus says this. This is the bread. If you look back through all of chapter 6, that's what he's talking about. It's like me. It's Jesus saying it's me. The bread that feeds you and sustains you. The truth. I'm the truth. Jesus is saying it's life. He's saying I'm the life. Real and true life. Don't confuse what you think. Don't confuse your traditions with what truth is. He's calling them out because they were obsessed with Moses. They were obsessed with the manna. They were obsessed with all these things because their tradition said this is good. This is how you get saved. This is, this is how you're righteous. This is how you go to heaven. All these things. Jesus is saying, nope, you missed the point completely. You only care about things because you like them, you know them, and they're inside your little air conditioner bubble, right? Get out of that. Get out of that. Don't confuse your traditions with what truth really is. Plain and simple. And then there's verse 59. It just kind of wraps it up. He said these things while they were teaching in the synagogues in Capernaum. That was it. It just says that. He's just saying what's going on. I like the fact that it says that he was in a synagogue because he went into kind of their place and just kind of told them what's up. I thought that was great. But again, I want to say this. In Christ, you can have it all. All of it. Not material. Not the health and wealth stuff. Not what the prosperity preachers will teach. None of that garbage. But life and freedom from sin and from death. What's better than that? Nothing. Nothing. True life is what Christ has offered us. But to have that, we must, must eat of His flesh and drink of His blood. And in doing that, we realize that means we have to give up things. We have to give up lots of things. Lots of things that we think we want. We give up the way we th that we think things should be if we're going to bow bend to need before the Lord and Lord and King of Kings, we have to give up certain things, what we think we want, give up the way we think things should be. Because again, the Word of God does not change. It's the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. If it said it, then it still holds true today. My page numbers are different than your page numbers, but I'm just going to do this, you know, a little bit of an example. Page 410 is Second Chronicles. That's still true today. Um, 963 is John chapter 7. Still true today. Let's see. We'll go towards the end. Go, you know, Second Timothy, First Timothy, uh, still true today. Anybody want to guess what I'm going to say next? What's that? It's all true. It's every bit of it. It's the same today as it was when it was written. We as followers of Christ must hold to the revelation that He has written to us, which is His Word of God. It's it. We must hold to it in spite of the things that we think. No matter how culturally irrelevant we're told that it is. Right? No matter how much some will disagree with it. No matter how outdated that people think that it is. Right? It's 2024, give the times right. 
no matter what, we must hold to it. If we're going to partake of His flesh and drink of His blood, which is what He said we have to do, then we must agree with the author and the originator of all things. The creator of life itself. Plain and simple. We must be changed by the Holy Spirit and walk in newness of life. And this is a package deal too. It all comes together. We don't get to pick one that we like and not the other one because we don't like it. And when we get this, when that package deal shows up and the Spirit comes inside of you and changes you completely, we will be all in. Completely sold out for Christ. Regardless of the situation. And He will, will move in amazing ways. He will do some crazy stuff through you. I promise you that. He will work in you and change you. And as He uses you for His glory, it will create shockwaves in this culture. It will create shockwaves in this country. It will create shockwaves in the culture that is not just running, but is sprinting away from Jesus as fast as it can. We get to be a part of that. If we want to see revival, real and true revival, you know where it starts, right? It starts right here. Right here. Right now. It, speak, it starts with those who will speak out boldly. I'd like to think we, we could check that mark here. I would like to think so. And it, it starts with all of us going out and doing this, and speaking boldly, and preaching Christ in the face of adversity. Not because it's easy, but I will promise each and every one of you right now, it's going to be hard. And if it's not hard, I'm pretty sure you're not doing it right. They hate us. You know why they hate us? Because we're telling them the same things that we were told, that we're sinners, and that we're wrong. And without Christ changing them, they're still going to hate you. Get over it. Not everybody likes you. That's fine. Does anybody truly care about that? Okay, good. We've been on the same page a lot this morning. That really helps. That's good. In the face of adversity, we're going to preach Christ boldly. Boldly. So, if you have the life that Jesus offers, I'm just going to tell you this, now's the time to unapologetically witness for Christ. Again, in a world that is so against us, to unapologetically go out for Him. And if you don't know Jesus, if you, if you don't, and the Holy Spirit's moving in you, convicting you. I know we don't like that word, but He's convicting you. He's telling you these things. He's revealing new and amazing things to you right now at this moment. Know that you too can partake in this. You can have eternal life. Be changed by Christ. And again, have that forgiveness that we seek so much. That real and true life that is offered only by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's ready. It's available. What are we going to do? If you know Christ, take Him out. If you don't, now is the time. Because again, we're not promised this afternoon. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised two seconds from now. But the grace of God is what sustains us always. And if He calls us home, perfect. I love how Paul writes, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's called a win-win situation. Amen? 
So let's do that. Let's be bold for Jesus, no matter what. Amen? Father, again, we thank You for everything that You do. Lord, we thank You again so much that You would send Your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. To take my punishment. To take our punishment. The punishment that we deserve so much. But Lord, You took that for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins. That we could have Your righteousness imputed onto us so that we could be with You forever. Lord, help us Lord, please help us to have that boldness to step out, to tell people about who you are so that others may come to you, to know you, and who could glorify you and praise you as well. Again, Lord, we thank you for all that you do, for who it is that you are. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we pray in Christ's name. Amen.